This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, June 1st. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, council moves towards future pay increase. Parks and Rec approves Neil Young concert. Tourism board unveils grant program. And a mountain weather forecast. In Telluride, town council members earn just shy of $15,000 a year for their governing efforts. The mayor earns around $23,000. Those numbers could soon change as town council has been working throughout the spring to increase compensation for future council members. Speaking to council last week, Human Resources Director for Telluride, Julia Praise, recalls the conclusion of a meeting held earlier this year. You did request that we come back with a little bit more detail on what it might look like to do a percentage of AMI. Praise has now returned with the details. By connecting council pay to AMI, or area median income, council hopes to make pay more equitable and the position more attractive. In San Miguel County, the current AMI is roughly $69,000 a year, but that's for a full-time employee, says Praise. 100% AMI, area median, area median income, is assumed to be full-time employment. So 2,080 annual hours, which shakes out to 40 weekly hours. And then taking that down, um, you're basically scaling down the pay and the hours, respectively, with that assumption. Council members are not expected to work 40 hours a week, so compensation will be based on a smaller percentage of a full-time salary. Some council members consider 35% of AMI, or around $24,000 a year, as a good base compensation for council, and 45% AMI, or about $30,000 a year, for mayor. That would compensate council members and mayor for 14 hours and 18 hours of work per week, respectively. Councilmember Lars Carlson, however, feels those numbers are a bit high. It just seems like a lot. It seems like a pretty big increase. And I don't, I never took this job thinking of it as being paid, thought of it as being community service. And I think there has to be a certain element of that incorporated into the compensation. And you haven't even included benefits. So the benefits, I think they average about 14000 a year per person. So that's a huge benefit that's not even being discussed. As part of their benefits, council members are enrolled in a health care plan and offered a ski pass or other wellness perks. Still, says council member Mian Fee, it's important to remember why council took up the issue of compensation in the first place. I think that's what our workforce has to decide upon now when they're trying to decide whether or not they want to sit on council is what the what the financial detriment will be when they take that position. And I'd like to try and see if eliminating that will allow us to start to have a diversity of voice up here. Council member Geneva Shawnette feels in her view, tying compensation to AMI doesn't need to be an exacting process, but rather an equitable jumping off point. I think the, the best function of the AM of looking at the AMI is for reference. I don't think that it should be like a annual, we're going to match a certain percentage of AMI on an annual basis as it changes. I think the idea is to pick a number that seems reasonable. Don't want this to be an ongoing calculation situation for staff or for council for that matter. Other council members agree and decide to increase compensation over time at a rate of 3% each election cycle rather than recalculating year upon year as the area's median income fluctuates with the economy. 
Mayor at the time, Delaney Young, sums up their conclusion. So administrative process going forward and 3% upon newly elected, re-elected. Following their discussion, council members voted to increase compensation for council members and mayor. The decision will return for a final vote at a future meeting. But any changes will not take effect until after the next election cycle. The new rules affect only future councils. A sitting council cannot give itself a raise. A Neil Young concert in Town Park this summer cleared its most recent hurdle this week. Telluride's Parks and Recreation Commission approved the concert to move forward in its application process. The request is for use of Town Park for the proposed event, which would be a one or two night concert performed by Neil Young somewhere between August 15th to the 20th. And those would be actual event dates. Uh, set up and tear down would fall with outside that window, perhaps, depending on where it falls. That's Stephanie Jacquet, Parks and Recreation Director, speaking at a Parks and Rec meeting this week. The application requests for a concert up to 9,000 people per day. Gates would open at 4.30 p.m. with music from 6.30 to 10 p.m. Neil Young's management reached out to SBG Productions to produce the concert. SBG owner Steve Gumbel notes it's an honor to be asked. It's a feather in Telluride's cap to have Neil Young playing in it, and I think we should be very proud as a community that we're being even considered for this. But Gumbel acknowledges the concert would be a big lift for everyone, especially noting he still has little information from Young's team. If it's right for the community, it's right. If it's not, it's not. Um, that's not my decision. Um, and... I, I will pull this application here shortly if they can't make a decision. So I want to give the community the heads up too that, you know, if they can't make a decision and play somewhat by our rules that are already being somewhat bent, um, we will withdraw the application here pretty soon. The concert would use substantial amounts of Town Park. Jacquet notes there are a number of activities or events taking place in the park at the same time frame. Mushroom Festival has a historic use of the core area on Saturday, August 19th from 3 p.m. to 10 p.m. for their post-parade gathering, which involves drumming and dancing. Uh, they also, new this year, is a pilot program that we're doing, as you all know, for the campground where we're helping smaller events that um are occurring on town property by pre-reserving some sites for their festival staff and volunteers. So we currently have eight um, campground sites held away from public reservations for uh, Mushroom Festival staff and volunteers from August 16th to the 20th. Jacquet adds additional Mushroom Festival staff and attendees use the campground during the week. The Telluride Film Festival will also be moving into the pavilion just after the dates of the concert. In terms of recreation, Jacquet says youth camps are still taking place in the park, but shouldn't be heavily impacted by a potential concert. It's also adult soccer season, which is a Parks and Rec Department League. Uh, we will have weekday games in the evenings, uh, Saturday mornings and Sunday evenings for rainouts. This is, uh, we're already relocating games to the high school for Jazz Festival the weekend prior. There's also evening programming in the pavilion. There's a uh, Monday, Wednesday and Thursday evening, and those are existing reservations that we would honor. Uh, the, the notable potential impact there is if those overlap with the concert night, we could potentially not have enough emergency shelter for evacuation of the fields if, if there's inclement weather. Finally, Jacquet notes depending on weather, it could cause further damage to the field. 
During public comment, Dan Collins, president of the Telluride Institute, which hosts the Mushroom Festival, shared his opposition to the concert going forward at that time of the summer. The intentions of the two festivals are completely different. While we all love Neil Young and his music, there's very real there's the very real potential that our environmental and educational message will be lost in the crush. Mixing this crowd with an audience that Neil Young would bring in would drastically change the vibe of our festival. As with many other well-meaning initiatives in Telluride, we questioned a plan which clearly undermines or simply ignores the character of one event for the benefit of another. Despite concerns, after little deliberation, the Parks and Recreation Commission approved SBG Productions' application for a Neil Young concert in Town Park with qualifications that SBG coordinates a management plan with the Mushroom Festival and pays for the use of the high school field if need be for rec soccer. The next stop on the application tour is Telluride's Commission on Community Assistance, Arts and Special Events. CASE will discuss the application at its meeting on Wednesday, June 7th. If CASE approves the concert, the application will then go to Telluride Town Council on June 13th. A true entrepreneur knows to never take a funding opportunity for granted. With that in mind, a new grant program is rolling out this season as the Telluride Tourism Board is unveiling a new fund to help local businesses and nonprofits in the tourism economy. Director of the Telluride Tourism Board, Kira Skinner, says the idea dates back to a town council meeting late last year. The idea initially came from a nonprofit that approached us for a matching grant last fall, and we weren't able to offer that match because we have separate agreements with, with both the town of Telluride and town of Mountain Village. Um, so the conversation came up at a previous town council meeting, and we decided that creating a collaborative grant program between the TTB and the town of Telluride would be a great solution and contribute to our local businesses and economy. That idea is now a reality. Skinner explained the program is open to all organizations in town and has a broad scope. Successful projects, however, Skinner says, will somehow relate to one of the tourism board's focus areas. Um, Initiatives include contributing to the economic vitality of the town of Telluride, marketing a program, event, or product for visitors and locals, destination stewardship and guest education programs, as well as programs and projects that enhance the visitor experience. Examples of a specific project which might fit those goals range from installing or beautifying outdoor seating to training events for service industry workers to buying sound equipment for an outdoor event series. Skinner says the goal of the program is specifically to strengthen Telluride's tourism-based economy, but that doesn't mean locals won't reap the benefits as well. This grant program will give businesses and nonprofits an opportunity to enhance both the visitor and the local experience with various projects that they see fit for their organization or business, whether it be beautification or possibly guest services training, anything that will really benefit um, both the visitor and the lifestyle for our locals. The program aims to give organizations an additional resource as they pursue growth on their terms and provide services or programs for visitors how they see fit. 
Skinner continues. Um, As well as promoting destination stewardship and guest education. Um, That's a really important objective that we've been focused on um, since our agreement started with the town of Telluride. The pot of money for the first year of Telluride Tourism Grants is $20,000, with a maximum award amount of $5,000. Thus, Skinner says she expects the program to be competitive, but encourages anyone interested to apply. The grant application opens today, June 1st, and will be available through June 16th. Meanwhile, Skinner says, We are working with the town of Telluride on establishing a grant committee um, that will consist of Telluride Tourism Board staff, town of Telluride staff, as well as elected officials. Grant recipients will be announced by July 1st. The application can be found online at telluride.com grant. Off-season is history, as the Telluride Historical Museum opens for summer visitors today, June 1st. The museum will be open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday from now until mid-October. On Saturday, locals can enjoy free admission. Next week, the museum will mark the opening of its annual exhibit on Thursday, June 8th, with a reception and celebration at 6 p.m. The exhibit, Festival Capital of the Rockies, 50 Years of Festivals in Telluride, features memorabilia, recollections, and photographs from Telluride's iconic festival culture, past and present. San Miguel County is littered with abandoned mining sites, many of them historic and some of them contaminated with waste and tailings. There's Liberty Bell, Silver Bell, the Pandora Camp, and notably the Matterhorn Mill, a historic flotation mill outside of San Bernardo, which is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Now, county efforts to revitalize that former flotation mill and clean up similar ex-mining sites are being buoyed by a grant from the Environmental Protection Agency. The $500,000 award comes to the county through an EPA program aimed at cleaning up and repurposing brownfield sites, which are contaminated former industrial zones. The award is one of the largest in the history of the grant program, fattened by funds from the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill passed in 2021. Director of Parks and Open Space for the county, Janet Kask, says the grant will go towards planning, revitalization, and cleanup at the numerous historic mining sites in the county. But, she says, quote, One site in particular is of utmost focus, and that is the iconic Matterhorn Mill, unquote. The county is currently working on plans to acquire Matterhorn and revamp it to fulfill multiple uses, from historic tourism to affordable housing. Colorado is taking new steps to expand treatment for eating disorders. Lieutenant Governor Diane Primavera signed two bills into law on Tuesday. One of the laws will launch a disordered eating prevention program later this summer in the state health department. The office will provide eating disorder resources and it will collaborate with other agencies like the Office of Suicide Prevention and Department of Education. The other measure, which takes effect immediately, outlaws the sale of diet pills to people under 18 without a prescription. And health insurance companies won't be able to use body mass index in evaluating care for someone with an eating disorder. A group of biologists from the University of Arizona came to Moab, Utah this spring to catch birds in the local wetlands. Moab's nature preserve is home to over 200 species of birds, but these biologists were only looking for two in particular. 
the American Yellow Warbler, and the Southwestern Willow Flycatcher. KZMU's Emily Arnson reports. What we're interested in is the evolution of song and plumage color. This is research scientist Sean Mahoney. He's trying to find out if the pitch of a bird's song and the color of its feathers can tell us anything about its health. But one of the ways that song might have evolved is a way to communicate fitness or health or condition to another bird. And so what we're trying to do is, is test that hypothesis. And so we're out here recording bird songs, and then we're also taking all these body metrics, feather samples, blood samples, to look at white blood cell counts. And then we're going to try to see if there's a relationship between song and plumage coloration with those metrics of condition. Birds use songs to communicate, but Mahoney is wondering if there's any kind of subliminal message in the bird's song, something that can tell us how strong their immune system is, for example. If we find that certain song characteristics like frequency or bandwidth or something like that, if that's correlated somehow with white blood cell count or something that we find in the blood, some indicator of immune response, that could be an indicator to another bird that, hey, I'm healthy, so either don't mess with me because I'll beat you up because I'm in good condition, or come mate with me because I'm a healthy individual. He set up a few nets around the wetlands. They look kind of like loose badminton nets. And then we have a speaker that plays the bird songs, and the songs attract the wild birds, and they fly into the net, and they're completely unharmed, and then we very carefully remove them from the net, and then we'll do those body uh, size estimates and the blood sample and everything that I just discussed. So on the recorder or on the speaker, do you play like a mating song or why does it attract the wild birds when you play the song? Yeah, it's song is used to attract potential mates, but it's also used to defend territories. They fly in and think, oh, is this someone that's trying to either take my territory or is it somebody that I can potentially mate with? Right now, he's hoping to catch a yellow warbler. So you can actually hear it singing over there. It sounds like doo 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 doo. This is playing sound? Yeah, that's okay. This is the recording. Is that a mating call? Yeah, that's a male yellow warbler, I think. Females, it's becoming more and more known that female birds sing as well. I didn't know that was not known. I assumed yeah. they all have sung. More and more studies are finding that females are also sing. And so that's another aspect that we're trying to study. You want to know how many males and how many females you have in the population because it gives you a sense of breeding potential. If he can prove that there's a relationship between song, feather color, and overall health, it could make it a lot easier for biologists to know whether a bird population is healthy. Then we don't necessarily have to put up all these nets and catch them and handle them. We can just record their song and that might give you the information that you need to know about the population. So we don't have to handle them and, and mess with them in the wild. And have there been any studies or have you drawn any conclusions from other bird species like a higher frequency indicates a healthier bird? I found that in willow flycatchers that sing higher frequency songs produce more young. Here's an example of a high frequency flycatcher song and a low frequency. And so that's really neat because Again, there's an endangered subspecies of willow flycatcher in the southwest. And so if we want to monitor that population, we can do so with 
just recording units that record songs in the wild without having to handle them, without having to watch their nests. Why do you think a higher frequency call indicates a healthier bird? Yeah, it could be that that frequency transmits better in the environment that it's in. While I was out there, they caught a yellow warbler. Oh, and it looks like we have a yellow warbler in this net here. So beautiful. This is a male. He's really, really yellow on the breast and the belly, but he also has this really nice red streaking on the breast. And then the wings are kind of this blacker, darker color, and the tail also has kind of these black streaks. And the back is almost this really nice greenish yellow color. So really pretty. But we'll take this to the banning station. What is it about the yellow warbler? Why this bird? Yeah, I think, uh, well, as a scientist, I want to be able to collect enough data to answer questions. And because they're so common, we're able to do that. It was the first bird that I held. It's the first bird that I really studied um, intensely. And so I just have grown to love them. And I think they're really charismatic. For KZMU, I'm Emily Ernson. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of rain tonight, possibly turning to snow, with a low around 35 degrees. Friday calls for rain continuing with thunderstorms in the afternoon and a high near 55 degrees. Rain is likely to taper off overnight on Friday, followed by cloudy skies and a low in the high 30s. Saturday calls for rain and thunderstorms developing in the afternoon and a high near 55 degrees, followed by a cloudy night with a low near 40. This has been the news for Thursday, June 1st. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hi, I'm Katie with Bright Futures. Did you know that in the first few years of a child's life, over 1 million new neural connections are made every second? If you want to play a role in supporting young children and their social-emotional development, here is your chance. Become an early childhood teacher in training. Our early childhood teachers are so important to our community. This new AmeriCorps position will place you in a child care center in Telluride, Montrose, Delta, or Gunnison to serve for one year while receiving individualized coaching and college-level classes to gain skills and become a certified teacher. You will receive a living stipend and an education award to pay for school. This might be for you if you are graduating high school this year, if you are trying to get back into the workforce and gain professional development experience, or if you're recently retired and looking for a way to give back to the community. Please contact Katie Swick at AmeriCorps at BrightFuturesForChildren.org. That's AmeriCorps spelled A-M-E-R-I. C-O-R-P-S or visit brightfuturesforchildren.org to learn more. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues. <laughs>